Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old, and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts, and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference. another episode show about science. This is your host, Nate. Today, my guest is Stephanie. She's an expert on bats. Let's dig into some bat biology. Woo! Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Nate. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. My name is Stephanie Finley. I'm a master's student at the University of Calgary, and I study bat biology under Dr. Robert Barkley. Ready to talk about some bats? I'm super ready to talk about bats. Let's do it. So, how do bats transmit Ebola? That is an excellent question. So, we're not entirely sure why some bats can hold on to viruses that don't hurt them, but hurt us. So Ebola is one of those viruses. So the bats can actually carry them in their blood, in their system, and it doesn't hurt the bats, doesn't make them sick. And so when the bats hang out with each other, and if you've seen pictures of bats down in Africa, they love hanging out in these big, big groups, and they all hang out together, and they pass it all off to each other. But it doesn't make them sick, and so they don't die from it. But then when you have people who live in Africa who, you know, play on the trees that the bats are hanging in. They might get some of the bat poop on their hands, or sometimes people in Africa actually eat those bats. And if you eat a bat that carries that virus, you get sick with it too. Except it doesn't hurt the bats, but it really makes us sick. How come vampire bats are the only bats that suck on your blood? Yes. So vampire bats are the only species of bats that only eat blood. So we have some bats that eat meat. So we have bats that eat fish or bats that eat other bats or bats that eat frogs. But vampire bats are the only bats that will only drink blood. And the cool thing about them is that it's hard to live off of just blood. There's not a lot of really good things for them. So you want to have a nice balance of nutrients and proteins and vitamins. That's what we all need. That's why you have to eat your vegetables. But it's hard for bats to live off eating blood. So they live together in big groups. And their friends will actually give them some of the blood that they fed on if their best friend doesn't have anything to eat that day. So if they go out and they can't find anything to eat, they come back and their best friend helps them. They're the best friend bat to have. Ah, I see. But we don't have to worry about that. They eat... Only cows and pigs, mostly. They're very cool bats. How do bats fly like birds? I mean, they're mammals, right? Yeah. So bats can fly, but they don't exactly fly like birds. 
there are a couple of cool things that birds can do that bats can't. So, you know, when you see the hawks and the eagles flying in the sky and they hold their wings straight and they don't have to flap, yeah. they're gliding on the wind, right? What? Bats can't do that. Um, bat wings are a little bit different than feathers that birds have. So if you've seen a bird feather on the ground, they've got that little, um, the ridge through the center that's really hard. And if you wave a feather around, it's quite firm, right? But a bat wing is kind of, it's stretched skin, right? So it moves and it's moldable. So they can't glide like birds do. And they can't also, so, you know, we have hummingbirds that can stay in one spot and hover. Bats can't hover either. They have to be constantly moving or they won't be able to stay up in the sky and they'll fall straight out of the sky. How does that feel for the bats? What do you mean, falling out of the sky? Yeah. I bet you would be scary because being on the ground as a bat is a very dangerous place to be. How come? Because there's lots of predators on the ground. Oh. So if a bat is still looking for food and they forgot the way home and it basically can't get there in time before the sun rises, what does it do then? So when they're flying during the night, what happens? Is that what your question is? Yeah, yeah. So bats can use temporary roosts during the day. They don't have to always go back to the same spot. So sometimes you can find bats on the side of a house, underneath your east troughs, or patio furniture. So you have um, a table and chairs outside with an umbrella. Bats love hanging out in those umbrellas. They are very curious creatures. And so they explore everything around them. So they're always prepared in case they get stuck somewhere. They know where a good place to spend the day is. How big is the biggest bat? The biggest bat has a wingspan of almost six feet long. They're the Malayan flying fox. And I used to work with them. They're very cute. They're fruit bats. And if you get the chance to Google them, you should take a look at them because they're very, very, very cute. They're not like the, the bats we have here in Canada or in the United States. They have very big eyes, small ears. They look very much like dogs. They're just as smart as dogs, too. How did bats evolve from creatures that walked? That's a very good question. So there are various different thoughts to how this happens, and I'm not entirely sure 100% which one the current school of thought is because it changes a lot. Lots of times biologists like to argue how one came about, but there's a bat in New Zealand that kind of crawls along the ground and forages off of insects on the ground, and some biologists believe that this is how bats first came about. So back when the dinosaurs went extinct, they were probably very similar to a shrew, and they were crawling along the ground. And then after a while, it became beneficial for them to grow skin between their fingers and their arms and legs. And it would let them glide like the flying squirrels or sugar gliders that you can have as a pet. Um, and then through time, they evolved the ability to fly. So if you look up those bats in New Zealand, you can see them crawling all over the ground. That's what they think the earliest bat ancestor was like. How does the sound Get back to the bats when it bounces off of the play. So when we make loud noises, it can bounce off and we can hear it. So if we go into a cave and you yell really loud or in a canyon, you'll hear your own voice come back. 
So sound has energy. And if it's got lots of energy when it's sent out, it may still have enough energy to come back. So bats use a frequency of sound much higher than we use. We're at about 20 kilohertz. Bats can go as low as 30 to as high as 120 kilohertz or higher. And so it lets those calls travel very, very, very far away. And the bat can tell, is it a wall? Is it a tree? It can tell what type of bug it's seeing. It can tell if that bug's a beetle, a moth, whether that beetle or moth is flying away or towards it. They get all kinds of information and different bats make different sounds depending on what they eat or where they live. So how do bats know where or the food is? So when they're flying around, they have several different types of calls that they make. And so the first call they make is called a search call. And it sounds like this. And they're spaced apart and they have a sweep at the end, right? So they start from high and they sweep down to low. And when they're flying around, they're searching, searching, searching. And then when the echo comes back, they can hear, oh, that echo says, that's a beetle. I eat beetles. How big is that beetle? And so when they want to get more information, they increase the frequency of calls and they go, and then they get more information. So they're like, oh, that beetle is about this big and it's over to my left, a little bit below me. So then they're like, okay, that beetle is big enough for me to eat. I need to go and catch that beetle. And then when they get really, really, really close to that beetle, they make a solid buzz so fast. Their calls are so close together. It just, it's called the feeding buzz. And so that's what they get just as they're approaching so that they can make sure they catch their food and don't miss it because they're flying in the dark, right? And their eyes are like ours. They can't see in the dark like a dog or a cat. So they have to hear through their echo calls. How do you know if a bat is heading towards you? How can I tell if a bat's heading towards me? If it's just me standing outside at night, unless it's just after sunset, there's no way we could see this. Um, our eyes aren't good enough and we can't use echolocation. If I have some of my equipment on me, I have special equipment that lets me listen to bat calls and it makes little clicks for me. So it makes little ticks on a machine. It'll go tick, 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 tick when a bat gets close because it can hear the echolocation calls. But what's really cool is that some insects, they've evolved the ability to hear bat calls too. So they didn't want to get eaten by bats. So they managed to evolve a way to hear the bats too. And so they can hear those echolocation calls and they know when those get close that they just stop flying and they'll just drop out of the sky, like jumping out of a, like out of a plane and they'll just stop flying and it confuses the bats and they can escape. Some moths can do that. It's really cool. Thank you for being on my show, Stephanie. You're welcome. I hope you have a good day. I will. Soon I'll have a play date. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. There you can shut the recording off. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old, and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? 
I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.